You're listening to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. We're at episode 154. Awesome to have you back. Today, we are talking all things mindfulness with Elise Bellew. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, founder, author, speaker, and bold branding and business coach. Right here on this podcast, you'll learn how to create an epic brand profitable business, get marketing savvy, and we'll help you find the confidence to step up as the CEO to scale and grow. Ready? Let's go. Hey, hey, welcome back. Awesome to have you here for another week. I hope that you are doing well. I don't know where the time's going, but it is going. And I hope that 2021 is looking up for you no matter where you are. I know that so many different places are coming out of lockdown. I know that the UK is and some places in the US. Obviously, we're very lucky here in Australia. Um, And so wherever you are, I hope that life is good and the sun is shining. And if it's not shining, then you're warm and safe and enjoying life wherever you are. (laughs) But listen, I'm excited to have Elise from Mindful in May talking to us today about creating a mindfulness practice uh, in life and in business. And I learned so much during this episode. We talk about like what the science is behind it, how you can implement it in your life, what Mindful in May is all about, and some practical strategies and tips that you can use in your life and business to make mindfulness and meditation just part of what is going on so that your brain can be healthy and happy and all the rest of it. So I'm excited to share this chat with you. But listen, before we dive in, I did want to let you know and remind you that you can get a copy of my free workbook, which is building a bold speaker brand. All you have to do is go to suzechadwick.com forward slash speaker workbook, and you can start working on that now, today even. No matter where you are, you can get your hands on that. And one of the things that I'm super passionate about is helping more women get confident with their message, how they show up, what they share, how they speak, no matter where that is, whether it's on a stage with a thousand people or whether it's one-on-one with your clients as well. So I am here. That is something I am absolutely here to do is help women to become confident and claim their space and be bold and powerful voices. So if you want to grab that free workbook, which is Building a Bold Speaker Brand, And really, if you want to get clear on what you want to be known for and what you want to speak about, then download it as well. There are so many fantastic things you'll get from it. But let me introduce you to today's guest. Elise Bellew is the author of the number one best-selling meditation book, The Happiness Plan, and founder of Mindful in May, the world's largest online global mindfulness campaign that teaches thousands of people each year to meditate whilst raising funds to build clean water projects in the developing world. A doctor trained in psychiatry turned mindfulness teacher and social entrepreneur, she's passionate about supporting individuals and organizations to develop inner tools to flourish. She offers workshops and training at the Mind Life Project. Her work has been featured in Huffington Post, New York Times and on Australian TV. I am excited to share this episode with you. Like I said, I learned so much and I am going to ask you to rally around this and check out Mindful in May. It is for such a good cause. I have signed up. 
I want you to listen to this episode. I want you to think about whether this is right for you, but I am really rallying my community to say, let's do this together. So without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Elise, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Thank you. Great to be here and chat with you. I know. I know. It's so nice to see you. Uh, I feel like we met, I feel like we met maybe a couple of years ago. I feel like it might've been at One Roof. Correct. Yeah. At the, at the beginning, at the beginning stages. Was it when in they St. Kilda. were in, oh my gosh. Okay. So for those who are listening, there is an amazing uh, women's network, used to be co-working space called One Roof. And they, uh, they tested their idea by hiring a mansion, an Airbnb mansion uh, like five years ago maybe um, even more I feel yeah. like yes okay so maybe oh no five. no it was it was five it was six because I remember I was pregnant with my first daughter there you go so six years ago in St Kilda here in Melbourne and then they ended up um having this incredible space in the city that was quite large uh, and that's where we first met and so yeah that feels like forever ago and so when did you start mindful in May so Mindful in May, I started as a concept at about 2012 and then okay. it kind of took off after that. So I was, I was kind of exploring it as an idea before it actually became a social enterprise. I didn't really go out to start a business. I went out to follow a passion Yeah, and then life had other plans. <laughs> as, as it always does. And so what were you doing during this time? So 2012, around that, when this concept came to mind, what were you doing at the time and what kind of sparked the idea? Yeah. So I was practicing in psychiatry. So I trained as a doctor, specialized in psychiatry. So I was deep in the acute psychiatry wards, managing people that were suicidal, all kinds of despair. And, uh, and I, at that point in my career, I was starting to become a bit disillusioned and feeling that I was slightly misaligned because I was really interested in people and helping in the field of transformation but in psychiatry, although I valued that education so much and I learned so many things that have carried forward and been so useful, uh, I felt that I was learning about the mind and the brain when it had kind of conked out and fallen to pieces. And I was really interested in learning about the mind and brain when it was functioning at its absolute best. And so that's how I kind of was also involved in meditation, going on meditation retreats at the same time. So I was sort of almost living this double life in a way where I'd be at psychiatry and then I'd take my annual leave and go on long silent meditation retreats. And then it all kind of came together after my specialization where I was literally in meditation one day and I was getting really excited about the results that were coming out in the field of the science of meditation uh, and then I was seeing the results that were happening for people that I was running groups for and the, the impact it was having in my own life. And so I came, this idea just came to mind in meditation, which literally was mindful in May. And it sounds cliche, but uh, it really was one of those insight moments. Mm. And I think that's part of what's quite lovely about meditation. that it, off it offers people this space that we just don't have in our lives for things, ideas that might not be clicking yet to come together. So I started Mindful in May as a bit of an experiment and it was something that I was really passionate about and playing with in this really playful way. And then I just kept moving forward as the world 
responded to it. You know, I got signs that this was something that people wanted and I just kept moving forward with that. And then at some point I had to make the decision to leave my formal career in psychiatry because I couldn't be doing both these things because my inflammation was becoming a lot more demanding. And so that happened, I think it was around 2015. Wow. Okay. So it sort of took about three years from concept or from idea yeah, yeah. to you you going full-time in it. So I just want to take a step back. So you sort of said, you know, you had been doing meditation, you had seen the impact of meditation. So what had you seen? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think the the moment that comes to mind that was kind of this aha moment, which is quite American in, in, the, in that aha moment, I don't think there's really an aha moment. I think it's a really, you know, you put time into things and then it all comes together. But I was at a conference about the mind and its potential and there were some leading scientists there who were the head of kind of researching the brain and meditation and they put some brain scans up on the screen and were showing the results of people's brains and how they changed over a two-month period of regular meditation and coming from the arena of science and having studied the brain for so many years I just was so gobsmacked and so excited by what I was seeing in that talk uh, and then learning about a lot of different areas of the body and our physiology that are that are impacted upon through meditation in a really rigorous scientific way, which spoke to me because that's kind of what I'm about. I like I like to see the evidence, and <laughs> and I'm spiritual as well, but I, I like to see the evidence. Um, and so the science was what really ignited my excitement and kind of helped me also to take it to the next level and commit more because sometimes when I think for the listeners whether they've meditated or not, when you start meditation people have this idea that it's something that is about sitting in meditation and finding some calm in your day and calming down and blissing out. And in fact, that's really not it at all. It's really about, it's it's a, a very rigorous training that helps us to really refine our awareness so that we're understanding what's happening within ourselves, emotionally, between us, relationally, and just outside in the world. And yes, calm and bliss can happen as a side effect, but I think, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a, a secondary thing to the point of what meditation is. So, yeah, I think um, it was kind of those things that, that really showed me the benefits. So the brain change that we, that we were seeing through the research. I was about to say, what did they show? Yeah. So so, so when uh, somebody had meditated for a couple of months, what was the change? Yeah. So the changes were really in, so it was the architecture of the brain. So the architecture of the brain had changed. So through neuroplasticity, which is pretty pop culture and people really know what that means, which is really, you know, the potential for the brain to adapt and change based on what we're doing repetitively. But the interesting thing is that, yeah, I mean, we know if you learn to juggle then and you put people under a brain scanner, yay, the brain changes in the areas of, you know, hand movements and whatever. But the relevant point here is that the regions of the brain that change are actually really important in being human and being a functional human being, which is the prefrontal cortex. So all of those higher functions around uh, decision-making around sensing our emotional state and being able to control and not react so quickly when we've been triggered emotionally. So on the screen, they literally saw that the brain had thickened in these regions of the prefrontal cortex. So, and this is the area that is responsible for paying attention, focusing, decision-making, inhibiting our reactions when we get triggered emotionally and all of those kind of things. 
There were also other regions of the brain that were shown to change. A really interesting region was um, the amygdala, which in, again, this is slightly simplifying things, but, you know, the amygdala is generally understood to be this center of fear and sort of the stress response is very involved in that. And people that suffer from anxiety disorders, if you put them under a brain scanner, that part of the brain is um, often larger in volume because it's getting a more of a workout, so it grows. Um, after two months of meditation, that part of the brain had also actually reduced in volume. So it's, in other words, you know, you're, you're not using it as much. So that's a correlation that looks at kind of, and it fits with other studies which show that there are very solid benefits for meditation and anxiety symptoms. Um, I didn't even know that parts of the brain grew and retracted based yeah. on yeah. like how and we use it. That's so yeah. interesting. Yeah, and and as I said, you know, whatever you do every day, your brain is changing. If it's something that you're doing repetitively, it's like if you're a musician and you're practicing your scales every day, the parts of your brain that are responsible for the movement of your fingers is going to thicken and grow. So we know that that happens and that gives your brain more capacity. But I think what is really interesting is that the parts of the brain that are affected with meditation are really parts that are super important for us as humans, particularly around the emotional management. And we hear this term emotional intelligence all the time that was coined, I think, by Daniel Goleman, who was one of the experts in Mindful in May a few years ago. And really emotional intelligence is our, it's our capacity to recognise our emotions when they're happening and be more skillful at managing them. And I, I don't think there's a more important thing that we need to develop and really mindfulness is a vehicle to developing that and what the science has shown through all these brain scans etc is that that's kind of how it's happening yeah amazing there you go (laughs) there you go we just had a little science lesson on the brain I love it (laughs) yeah but I think you know I think particularly in this day and age as business owners where you're being pulled left right and center by the latest social media and this and that and our attention is getting so fragmented. And the problem is that as we're practicing that constantly looking at a hundred different places, like that's having an imprint on the brain. So I think that now more than ever, like what we practice regularly grows. So if we're practicing distractibility, then that's what the tendency of the mind is. So I think these practices are even more relevant now to kind of neutralize the effect of technology. Mm, so interesting. I love that. And so a really simple question, what is mindfulness? Like it's meditation. It's like, is it, is it a is it, you know, mm. several different things? Like what mm. exactly, like when you talk mm-hmm. about mindfulness, what do you mean? So I like to take it right back to its original word. Uh, and in the original ancient text, it was the word um, sati, which in Pali means there's a few definitions, but um, to familiarize or to remember. So it's about, it's a practice that's somehow familiarizing ourselves with our own mind. Uh, and in so doing is helping us actually use our minds much more effectively. The other translation there is to remember. And so to remember what? It's, it's a practice that helps us remember to be present. And through remembering to be present, we're more available to actually be present to our lives as they're happening and unfolding so that we're, you know, if you're in a business meeting and there's a deadline and something happens and you're overwhelmed, you're actually there meeting the overwhelm in that moment, really aware of what's going on so that you can actually say to yourself, 
hang on a sec, I'm incredibly overwhelmed. What do I need to do in this moment? And I mean, for me personally, that's just been a game changer in managing my team and, you know, just having that capacity, almost like a, a constant witness inside that's that's kind of sensing what's going on so that you're not lost in the emotion, but you can actually catch it before it's kind of gotten too big and made you do something really dumb, like write a silly email to someone that you regret or just you know, respond out of reactivity rather than out of a considered pause. So good. Okay. So, and, and just, sorry, just to add to the mindfulness. So it's like, I really do think that the, the metaphor of physical exercise is really helpful here. So it's a training of the mind to help us be more present and aware of what's happening from moment to moment, both within ourselves and outside in relation to the, to the world. And just like if we want to get physically fit, we take ourselves to the gym. This is a really a mental practice, a mental practice that as we do it more and more, we get better. And it's not about getting better at meditation. It's actually about getting better at life through having a brain that is really exercised and, and functioning at its best. I was just about to say, like you said, it's, yeah, it's, if we, if we compare it to the body, if I exercise every day, my body gets stronger, it gets healthier, it's got more longevity. It's yeah. It responds better. Um, and so that's such a great comparison to what mindfulness can do for mm. the mind. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and you can take, you can even think about it like how much time we just all spend brushing our teeth. I mean, that's culturally embedded in that in the morning and the night you brush your teeth. Like no one's not brushing it. You know, it's well, just sometimes it's, my some kids. people. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> Sometimes, but, but it's, but it's, it's something that as you, like we all get taught and educated to brush our teeth by our parents, you know, and that's just what we know. So this is about mental hygiene, you know, and it's, it's, what's amazing is that it's only in the last kind of 10, 15 years that it's really become clear that we have these minds. And if we don't do active practices, then we're just, we're not, you know, we get dirty minds, like there's mm. psychic garbage that's there. It's, it's mental hygiene to be actually carving out a little bit of time to refine the mind and the attention so that you can show up to life, whether it's work, your family, whatever, in a much more effective way. Mm. And so do you do mindful practices with your kids? Yeah, I do. I do. So I've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old and you know, when kids are young, it's not about getting that you sit down and sit here for 10 minutes <laughs> and I've got the timer on, you know, it's definitely not about yeah. imposing anything onto them. It's more about um, the kind of what we call like mindful living or integrated mindfulness. And I like to say to parents that often the best, the best thing you can do to help your kids learn how to be mindful is do the training and the practice yourself because they 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 learn much more powerfully through what you're modeling than what you're saying mm. but for but just a few specific examples uh so there's a great resource actually for parents called generation mindful and they have these wonderful kind of posters and packages that you can get and it's called the calm corner and so I used it a lot with my two-year-old when she was two and three and you sort of set up posters and it's it gives you guidance about basically when they're having tantrums, how to manage that. And it's not a time out, it's a time in. And so they have posters and it's all about emotional intelligence. So it's, you know, different faces, happy, sad, disappointed, angry. So you're going there and, and then you, you're identifying what they're feeling. And then they have all their favorite things. It's like, okay, how can you calm yourself down? Okay. Do some drawing, you know, play some ball or squeeze this anger ball, you know, all these kind of things. So it's more with the kids at that age. It's more about, 
um, it's more about the emotional awareness rather than getting them to sit down and meditate. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then, and then obviously as they get older, there's lots of different practices you can do. We've got, um, so in Mindfully May, the, the program for those people who've never heard of it is it's really about bringing people together for the month of May and giving people daily resources through the online platform, which include the daily guided meditations and daily or second daily kind of video teachings from all these leaders in the space. And I was just going to say that we've got Susan Kaiser Green, Greenland, who's a real world leader in mindfulness for kids. So she's actually part of the program this year, which is really exciting. Awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely give everybody the details on that um, before we wrap this up. Uh, but what are you seeing happening in the business space? Cause obviously most of my listeners are women in business, yeah. but shout out to the, the dudes that listen as well. Um, so when it comes to like stress and other issues mm. that we're sort of saying, you know, you started this in 2012 and, and kind of took that leap in 2015, what are you seeing changing? What are you What are you seeing that maybe we need to be more aware of, um, mm, especially mm. I guess after the last twelve months as well, when it comes yeah. to how we're managing this? Yeah. Look, I think I don't think it changes that much. You know what I mean? I think that we're all generally operating with a very hard foot on the stress response. So the problem is that that stress response was as you know, many people know, like not designed to be switched on chronically and that's what we're doing. And I think particularly for women who are listening, I think what I'm seeing a lot is just the constant juggle of that, you know, managing the business. And even though we're moving into a more equal world, there's still that mental load and that that kind of role and job that falls onto the woman to kind of manage all the, the micro things of the house. And, you know, it just still happens quite a lot. Um, so what I see is a problem is that people are often coming and just saying, I, I just don't have the time. I know I need to meditate or do something. I just don't have the time. And so one of the things that I was really interested in doing is actually meeting that need because there's a lot of different meditation programs out there. And, you know, some of them are like, they're all wonderful, but some of them are kind of set up that it kind of is very difficult for women that have young kids and businesses to do like 20 minutes twice a day or mm. an hour or whatever. So I actually um, wanted to kind of address that. And I, I did some research actually with Monash University through the program that I run, Mindfully May, because the invitation for Mindfully May is to do 10 minutes of meditation a day. And I don't think anyone can say they don't have 10 minutes. You know, I just, I mean, that's a cop out. You know, you might not have 20 minutes. It's like you do have 10 minutes. You just don't want to prioritize it. I mean, you could argue maybe people have 20 minutes too, but 10 minutes, we all have 10 minutes. So people are scrolling on their phones for a lot more than 10 minutes. Exactly. So uh, I actually did some research with Monash University and we found that 10 minutes a day, it was preliminary research. It wasn't brain scans and blood tests, but um, it was survey based. But we looked at people, thousands of people doing the Mindful May program and we found that 10 minutes a day over one month was enough to bring measurable benefits to people, including um, the way they relate and manage stress. We we used a flourishing scale, which asks a whole lot of questions and the the, the score on the flourishing scale went up and generally also around negative and positive emotion and that kind of feeling more positive emotions and more negative emotions. So I think in terms of business and, and women in particular, there's a lot to juggle and it's true that there isn't much time, but I think it's a really great message to know that 10 minutes a day of something regular actually can 
really have a benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's the time factor, you know, that's the thing that is the clincher for people. I just don't have the time. Yeah. I mean, my daughter and I, she's up for it as well. And we used to do, we've, we've not done it for a while, but we used to just do like search five minute five minute guided meditation for kids yeah, or positive female affirmation, five minute guided meditations and stuff like that. So we kind of found a few different ones. And then we'd just sit in my office before she went to school, literally it was five minutes Mm. and we'd just sit and meditate together. And we did that for quite a while. I don't know why we stopped doing it, but, um, but yeah, it was just, and it was just nice to stop Mm. and just be like, Let's just not do anything yeah. for five minutes and let's just focus and relax and, yeah. you know, just listen to this amazingness and, and things like that. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just think we do have time. It is about priorities and it's about, it is. I think it's also about seeing the benefits of it. I think that a lot of times if we don't see the benefits or we don't understand yeah. what the opportunity is for us if we chose to do that, then, yeah, that's when people are like, meh. Like, yeah, exactly. And I I think, you know, mindfulness and meditation is obviously becoming so it's so mainstream now. And I think there are so many wonderful apps that are around that are great. I think the problem is that a we're wired to be in community. And so one thing I've found is that, you know, doing an app by yourself versus being part of something um, that like a community that's actually, and you're great like this, you know, you've got a community that you've built. And I think that you would probably agree that, community is magic, you know, it really helps people to kind of stay connected and stay accountable. And so the the kind of impact that I've seen through that, um, whereas people said, oh yeah, I've got like six apps on my phone, but the problem is I just don't use them or I use them for a week and then I fall out of practice. So I think, um, yeah, I think that there's a lot around, but it's like, finding a community that has a shared vision and values. And also now there's like so much online that anyone can just put up a meditation and call themselves a meditation teacher, but the the quality of what you find, like you really need to kind of have a trusted source. So that's also. Isn't that interesting? Cause we wouldn't even know that. Yeah, well, it's true. And, and the thing that's a shame about that, it's like anything like yoga, whatever, if you decide I'm going to try yoga and then you go to a place and you do a yoga class and it's with a teacher that's, you know, hasn't really got that depth of training, you have a, not a very good experience. And then you decide that yoga is not for you and you just mm. never go back to it. And I think that's a real shame. Yeah. So interesting. Awesome. Um, and so what do we know? How do we know what's good and what's not then? Well, I think that, you know, I think, I think, I mean, obviously I'm biased. Okay. Yeah. So I would say <laughs> mindfully may, I mean, and I, everybody will definitely get yeah, all the links to my yeah, and, yeah. And, that, and that being, and I think being someone that has kind of trained in medicine, like I am about, you know, really bringing together science backed, you know, experts and that's what it's about. But I think it's really about just doing a bit of research, you know, like mm. if you do Google, YouTube, whatever, you don't necessarily get, um, the most experienced people, you probably get the people that are really the best at marketing or something like that, Mm. that know how to get their things up. Mm. But uh, yeah. 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 But, but I think also if you are really serious of wanting to get the benefits, it's really worth actually signing yourself up to a program, like whether it's an in-person program, you know, not just an app where you kind of pick and choose, like Mm. there's a real process here. It's like 
it's a training like anything is that has predictable obstacles in it. Mm. Um, and if you don't have the right guidance, you kind of get stuck at those points and then you don't meet the benefits. Isn't that interesting? I've never, never even thought about that. Mm. Okay, great. And so what are some practical things um, that we can start to think about, do that can get us into the mindfulness practice and, mm-hmm. and get us moving in that direction? Yeah, so there's one practice called the mindful stop, which I think is a really simple one. And often I, I often say I wrote in my book, The Happiness Plan, I've got daily exercises in this book that I wrote. And one of them, I say this daily stop is an acronym, right? So it stands for stop, take three mindful breaths. And the mindful breath is that you're actually bringing your attention into the body and you're feeling the breath and you're sensing it the whole way through. So you're feeling it, the in-breath, the out-breath. That's one, two, three. Uh, And then O stands for observe. So observe as in just go through and ask yourself, like, what am I thinking right now? What stories am I telling myself? Observe the body. So sensing, am I holding any tension in the body? And then just releasing that. And then P is proceed. So stop is the practice. And the idea is that you set a timer. So you put it in your phone and you experiment with setting an alarm, let's say seven or eight times through the day. And you know, this is a really powerful practice that sounds completely rubbish and like nothing. But if you do it, what you discover is that you're kind of catching the cumulative stress through the day. And you're, it's like these checkpoints that you're catching yourself. And, you know, sometimes the alarm might go off and you've, you're supposed to be working, and you find yourself on Facebook distracted, you know, so it's kind of like a recalibration. Yeah. And um, when I was working as a doctor in the emergency departments on call for 24 hours a day, and I'd do this, you know, the stop would come up and I'd, I'd discover, oh my God, firstly, I'm like this, mm. you know, my shoulders are up here. Secondly, I'm so thirsty. I haven't drunk for the last eight hours and I need to go to the toilet. Like you just, <laughs> you're not actually respecting your body's yeah. needs, you know, cause you're so busy. Yeah. And um, so that's a really helpful practice. And then the other one that's really good, another acronym is the practice of RAIN. Um, I didn't make this one up. It's quite a well-known mindfulness practice. So RAIN is a practice that you can bring to any moment where there's a difficult emotion or where you're feeling triggered or reactive. And you can do this in your mind. You can actually journal it. So RAIN stands for recognize. So recognize is recognize the feeling. And that's literally like labeling it. Like I'm feeling really angry right now. Um, A is allow and accept. So when we get triggered, there's you know, when there's a negative feeling out, we're wired to be pushing unpleasant away. We just don't like get me the hell out of this feeling. So rather than that, we're actually turning towards it and we're going, okay, anger is here. That's okay. Like allowing us to be here. And then I is investigate. So it's investigating, you know, it's, it's actually coming again back into the body and feeling like, where do I feel anger in the body? And that sounds a little bit esoteric, but the reason we do that is because with something like anger, the emotion hits. And then after that, we fall into storytelling. So, oh, he always does this. She, why has she done this? Why is this, you know, and the stories proliferate. And that's what we call is kind of like throwing Kindle into the fire of anger. And it kind of accelerates and amplifies the anger. Whereas if you stay in the body with anger and get, you know, disconnect from all these stories, then it can actually pass more easily. So investigators investigating coming into the body and sensing what anger feels like unhooking from the stories and then asking yourself, investigating, you know, 
what stories am I telling myself and, and questioning are these actually true? Because often they're not, you know, mm-hmm. they're just habits of mine. Um, and then Annie's nurture with self-compassion. So that's kind of an invitation, you know, I'm doing my best. I'm just human. Like, you know, it's giving yourself a break kind of thing. So I find that practice really helpful on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And as you practice it more, as I said, it can be just a kind of going through it in your own mind or literally writing it out. Yeah, awesome. I think that that's great. And I think just knowing those tools as well, sometimes you can just be like, okay, you know, STOP, like, let me just give, like, let me just take a step back and Mm. just practice that for five minutes and Mm. and just kind of take that break as well. So I love that. We'll have all of these resources in the show notes as well. So let's talk about Mindful in May. So when you left your job and everything and you went full-time with Mindful Mm. in May, give us a bit of a breakdown. Like, so what, what is it? How does it look? How does it work? Sure. Involved? All of the things. Sure. So Okay. So what is it? It's basically a one month meditation fundraising campaign. So we aim to give people all the resources they need to make learn meditation and make it a habit by the end of May. And at the same time, we have a do good element, which is a large part of the campaign, which is we raise money for clean water in developing countries. And so it's kind of like clear mind for you, clean water for others. And we've raised nearly a million dollars for the cause and built projects all over Africa. This Amazing. year we're raising, yeah, this year we're raising for Nepal. But the idea is, you know, it's not just about doing meditation to make yourself feel better and, and, and which you do, and you obviously reduce the suffering in your life and bolster the happiness. But implicit in all of this teaching is actually we learn these skills to actually be of greater service to others. And, you know, I think that idea, which most listeners would agree with once when you feel resourced and happy, you're much more generous, you know, you have much more capacity for others. So it's kind of this, this idea of interconnectedness, we're all interconnected and we need to look after ourselves and turn our attention outwards and and deal with some of these complex, big problems in our world. So basically people, as I said, people get the the daily guided meditations from a whole range of experts and I bring together, you know, the world's leaders in the space of meditation, the brain, the mind, well-being. So, uh, yeah, people like Sharon Zaldsberg and John Kabat-Zinn and, you know, scientists like Richard Davis and all these leaders. So, and in these video teachings, we really kind of distill, it's no fluff, you know, it's like, give me the science, give me the tools that I need, and then you go away and implement them. So you can kind of get as involved or as little involved as you want, but the key thing is the 10 minutes of meditation a day. And um, so, yeah, and it's been running for many years and people keep coming back every year because, Meditation is that kind of thing that it's natural to fall off track with it. So people like to use Mindful May as a kind of annual reboot to their practice. Um, And, yeah, and I think probably of interest to your audience as well is that, you know, there are probably people that are starting businesses or have pivoted from other careers and whatever, and that was certainly, that was me. You know, I, I had a pretty long career in psychiatry, studied for 15 years, and then suddenly the unexpected and, and and that was all changed. And I think one of the biggest lessons I learned in that pivot was sort of like, you know, you don't have to jump immediately. I think there are different ways of doing things. And for me, it was kind of a slower transition. It wasn't like quit my job. I'm going to do yeah, something new because yeah. it didn't really work for me. I, I, and I don't necessarily think it's the safest kind of maybe wisest way to move, particularly if you've got family and, you know, you've got very real 
um, things that you that you need to make sure you're fulfilling in your life. So, um, but I also think, yeah, and I, and I think it's that thing where people look at other people and they 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 see people succeeding and they just think, oh, that just happened so quickly. It just doesn't happen quickly. It's you've just got to hang in there and just keep chipping away and chipping away. Yeah, it's the whole thing of you know overnight success in ten years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. And so with Mindful in May, so people sign up, we'll have the links in the show notes as well. But for those who are walking the dog and out in the car, what's the website? Is it just so mindful? mindfulinmay.org? Yeah. And then okay, they sign up org. there. Yeah. It's $59. They have to sign up before the, the 1st of May. And then the program starts 1st of May through the whole of May. And um, yeah. Amazing. Okay. And they get they they make an optional donation. So we kind of drop the price on this program significantly in this month um, to make it really accessible so that people, if they choose, can participate in, in the do-good side of things. And um, yeah. what I think is fascinating and just so incredible is that it just takes $50 to bring water to one person for life. And I just, it's amazing. That's amazing. You know, and you think about what you spend $50 on, and yeah. to know that you can change one person's life. And we've got a really um, fascinating interview with Scott Harrison, who's the founder of Charity Water, which is mm-hmm. where the money goes. And, you know, he's just got, he just shares the most incredible stories. You know, he, he, he told this story about they were building a project, a well in this community. And this 65 year old woman was sitting there bawling her eyes out. And he went up to her and he's like, what are you, isn't, this is happy. No. And she's like, it is happy, but I just, I'm so happy, but I just can't believe I've spent my entire life carrying water, you know, like, and I'm looking now, I'm so thrilled for these girls that they're not going to have to spend their lives literally six hours a day walking to a, a water source and carrying it back. And that's how I spent my life, you know? So she was kind of grieving the loss of all these hours in her life that were spent carrying water. And she's like, I've been living here for 65 years. There was water right underneath my house. And I've just been, I've been walking like kilometres and kilometres every day. Mm. So I thought that was just a very, very poignant and kind of heartbreaking story, you know. Amazing, amazing. That's so interesting. And so what do you do when it's not mindful in May? So when it's not mindful in May, I run an ongoing um, mindfulness membership. So people kind of, they finish mindful in May and then many people are interested in just staying part of community and deepening their practice. So I, I do that the rest of the year, which is online. Amazing. There you go. I didn't even know that, Elise. So, <laughs> so you see Mindfully May and you kind of take a look at it, but it's, yeah, it's so good to know more about the story behind it and that. So I'm super excited that you've been able to share that with my audience today. I'm going to say to my listeners, get on board. Let's take a look. Let's sign up. Let's give somebody water for life um, and make this happen as well. So I'm super excited. This is going to be airing uh, the, what are we, I was keep looking at my calendar on the 22nd of April. So this is a a week, a week before Mm, May um, or so. Yeah. So we'll definitely be um, sharing this as well, but if you're listening to this episode, make sure that you go to mindfulinmay.org and check it out. And you're on socials as well. Just at mindful in May. Yeah. Fantastic. Mindful in May. Is there anywhere else, anything else you want us to know? No, no, that's fine. <laughs> and if, if people happen to listen to this after May, then they can still go to the website and we offer sort of programs in between or also um, the one-month 
mindfulness guidebook, the happiness plan that I've written. Amazing. That people can access. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Lee, thanks so much for sharing. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, I just one final word to the listeners. I would say don't trust me with anything that I've just said. Sign up and commit to a month. Give it a month. Really give it a go. Like really prioritize it. And then at the end of the month, make your judgment. Because I'm the first one to say, do not add anything to your to-do list that is not actually working and serving you. So, but, but like exercise, you know, you can't expect to feel the benefits of exercise in the first few weeks. You feel like terrible when you go to the gym for the first few weeks, if you're unfit. So that can happen with meditation too. It doesn't necessarily feel good for the first, for the first little while. Yeah. I mean, I've made a commitment to myself <laughs> telling, telling my followers on Instagram, I just bought myself a new treadmill for my office because we had one outside and it got killed by the weather. Um, but I'm like, okay, 30 minutes a day, I'm going to listen to a podcast or something committing to 30 minutes for 30 days. Amazing. And, and then if I can do that, I'm going to be like 60 minutes for 60 days, but we'll see. I'm getting all excited with the 30, 30, 60, 60. But I also <laughs> think I know, I'm like 90, Watch 90. You, yeah. Like 120 <laughs> is going to be a problem. <laughs> but anyway, but I just think, you know, something, this is definitely something else that I wanted to, you know, start to look more at myself because I just feel like, you know, when you get into the habit, you wake up, you pick your phone up, mm-hmm. I grab a coffee. Like I've got these habits that I've had for so long yeah. and I'm just like, I need to just like not do that. Yeah. Like if I yeah. pick up my phone, the first thing I need to open is like a med- a meditation app. Yeah. Maybe yeah. just have a coffee and not look at a screen for a bit. Or like what are the yes. healthy habits for brain and body that I can start to implement throughout my day mm. that can just make me a more well-rounded, healthier, happier mm. person as well. So that's, yeah. yeah. So I'm excited. I'll be signing up. Wonderful. Yay. Can't wait. Awesome. All righty. Well, listen, we're going to leave it there, but um, thanks so much for sharing. We'll have all the links in the show notes as well for those who are listening. I urge you, I am going to put it out there, sign up this month. Let's take a look and chat about it on social as well with how you're going and, you know, what you're finding interesting from it. Um, And as a community, we could do this together, which I think could be really exciting as well. Yeah. Awesome. And we also have an open Facebook group, Mindful in May. So you can actually be in there, even if you decide not to join to just kind of see, you know, the energy and and what's going on in there. So people are welcome to come to that. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Elise. Pleasure. Okay, team. So what do you think? Are you in? Are you in? Come and join the Facebook group, Mindful in May. Um, I've joined, I'm going to be donating so that one person or more can have clean water for life. How can we not get behind that kind of cause? Plus in the process, be making our brains happy, happy and healthy. Yes. I say yes to all of that. So big thanks to Elise for coming on the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I hope that you learned something about your brain. I did not know that our brain grew and then, you know, retracted as well, depending on which parts we used of it. Learning something new every day. See, this is not just about business. You're now learning about your brain here on the podcast. 
Girls, which I love. So I hope that you enjoyed that episode and I hope that I get to see you in the Mindful in May Facebook group and also we can talk about it on socials as well and see how you're going and maybe we can do like, oh my gosh, maybe we can do like a morning practice on Instagram stories or live during May so that we can all do it together. What do you say? Let me know. Send me a message on a DM or, a you know, I don't know, a story or something like that. Let me know what you think. And if you enjoyed this episode, then make sure that you share it as well. But that's it for another week. It has been amazing to have you here as always. And remember to follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick. But thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us every week. The music to this podcast was created by Ixon on SoundCloud. Until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.